bit. If you don't mind, just before you, you take your seats, I want to read this text. It's, it's not a very long text, but I want to read this text, and this is going to be the text that is the backdrop for our, our message on today. And the reading is going to be taken from the book of Exodus, Exodus chapter 17. We'll begin at verse number 8, and then we'll terminate, we'll end at verse number 16. Now Amalek came and fought with, the, with Israel in Rephidim. And Moses said to Joshua, Choose us some men and go out and fight with Amalek. Tomorrow I will stand on the top of the hill with the rod of God in my hand. So Joshua did as Moses said to him and fought with Amalek. And Moses, Aaron, and Hur went up to the top of the hill. Verse 11. And so it was when Moses held up his hand that Israel prevailed. And when he let down his hand, Amalek prevailed. But Moses' hand became heavy. So they took a stone and put it under him and sat, that he sat on it. And Aaron and Hur supported his hands, one on one side and the other on the other side. And his hands were steady until the going down of the sun. So Joshua defeated Amalek and his people with the edge of the sword. Then the Lord said to Moses, write this for a memorial in the book and recount it in the hearing of Joshua, that I will utterly blot out of the remembrance of, uh, of Amalek from under heaven. Verse 15. And Moses built an altar and called its name the Lord is my banner in a different translation that would be Jehovah Nisi for he said because the Lord had sworn the Lord will war with Amalek for generations to generations you may have your seats at this time I was thinking about the perfect individual to, to help me illustrate this this message on today and, and I'll be honest with you I have a two-part uh, type of approach to this message. I, I have the educational part, the academic part, and I'm, I'm going to give some details about this text. I'm going to give some details about Exodus uh, and just where Exodus falls and, uh, and what this work or this body of work really is all about. And, and then I'm going to do the, the spiritual thing in looking at some of the application points of this particular text. And so uh, the first person that came to mind to help me with my illustration this morning, of course, was, was Andrew Dunaway, but as fate would have it and as God would have it, Andrew is doing some security work in the hallway. And then I remembered, you know, we have a youth minister here who has a nice beard, that's JP, <laughs> and, and he, is, he is tall, he is, I think he's going to be strong enough. So JP, I want to I wanna ask you just to come if you don't mind. I, I need your assistance for this. I'm, uh, uh, don't, don't be mad, JP. <laughs> The psalmist said, I was glad when they said unto me, come, let's go into the house of the Lord. Don't be, don't, don't be mad. I want, I want you to stand here. I want you to stand here. All right? Just to operate, I want you to stand here. And, and I want you to take this. Is it, is it heavy? No. All right. It, it's not heavy, right? It's, it's, it's not heavy. And I want you to lift this, this, this staff up above your head. Like, do whatever you need. If, if, that's, if, if that's how you're comfortable holding it, that's fine. But... but 
from the rising of the sun to the going down thereof, you're going to have to hold that, that staff until I'm done. Is it 20 minutes? <laughs> <laughs> the, 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 the effectual, fervent, prayer of a righteous man avails much. So if, if these people aren't praying, then it won't be 20 minutes. Uh, uh, all right? So, so I need for you to keep that up. Whatever happens naturally in your body, let it, let, let, let it happen. All right? Don't, don't, don't think that, you know, well, you know where this illustration is going. I want you to be as natural as humanly possible, but remember, you have to keep that staff up. All right? So we know this text. We know this text. We know this text. But allow me to do the academic thing before we, we get some application points. All right? So if you don't mind, I know some people have said, uh, you know, for people who take notes, I sub that sometimes I talk too quickly. But I'm, a, I'm on a time schedule here because we have a man whose arms are going to be on fire. So I'm, I'm going to try to do this in a way where if you're taking notes, you could, you could go ahead and, and, and write some of this down as I share it. And if not, I want to encourage you to go to Facebook. And hopefully, we don't have any issues today with this recording. You could go back to Facebook and you could do some diligence in highlighting some of these points. The book of Exodus is such a powerful source of learning for the people of God. You've heard me say time and time again that the Old Testament offers great insight into aspects of New Testament living. As we think about this particular work, this, this, talking about Exodus, in the compilation of Scripture, we have to appreciate that this text is a part of a larger body of work. That is to say, if we have to be a little bit more specific, where we find our text, chapter 17, verses 8 through 16, it's found within the confines of the totality of the work that is the book of Exodus. But Exodus as well is found within the confines of a larger body of work that's found within what is considered to be the Torah, uh, Ex Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy, those five books that Moses is attributed, as far as we know, of compiling and himself writing. First, we have to know that Exodus is a practical, descriptive book about God's saving grace, God's power, and God's plan. If you have to equate the book of Exodus with a book in the New Testament, probably you might equate Exodus with a book like James, a very practical book in godly living. And so within the confines of this book, God is revealing some things and, uh, and Moses is describing some things about God's saving grace, God's power, and God's plan of salvation. Through the events of this period in Israel's history, God is foretelling and he is foreshadowing some things about deliverance. I know it's getting tough. It's getting tough in the back there. It's getting tough in the back there. <laughs> it's, it's, it's getting tough in the back there. I'm... I'm, I'm, I'm <laughs> <coughs> Stick with me on this. Stick with me on this. JP has his job to do. I have mine and you have yours. And let the spirit continue to work. All right, stick with me on this. As simple as a simple geographic outline, the book would probably look something like this. If you were to break this book, Exodus, 
according to its geographical outline, it would have the bondage in Egypt. That's chapter 1 through 12. You would have the journey to Sinai. That's chapter 13 through chapter 18. And then you will have the covenant at Sinai. That's chapter 19 through <laughs> chapter 40. However, if we were to break the book up in a thematic way, that's not the geographical sense now as to the locations that we find throughout the book, but now from a thematic standpoint, the book is, is broken up into two major parts that within those two major parts would have some subheadings or some subsections. So a thematic outline might look something more like this. First you have delivered from the world. And that's from chapter 1 through chapter 18. And then the second big break in the theomat, the, uh, uh, theomatic outline would be brought into the presence of God. That's chapter 19 through chapter 40. If we were to break down further the thematic approach, that is the first section of the book, Delivered from the World, chapters 1 through 18, we could further break that down into three subsections. Number one, their slavery. That's found in chapters 1 through 4. Don't, 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 don't get lost yet. Number two, the showdown. That's between God and Pharaoh and God and, and Pharaoh's uh, many priests. You, that would be found in chapters 5 through 11. But I want us to notice we also have this third section within this bracket called delivered from the world. Number three, their salvation. That's found in chapters 12 through 18. So I want you to take note that from the geographical outline, our text falls within the confines of the journey to Sinai. But from a theomatic standpoint, a thematic standpoint, our text falls under the, 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 the parameters of delivered from the world or their salvation. So from a geographic standpoint, they are on their way, they are journeying, they have left Egypt and they are going to Sinai, but they have not made it to the mountain yet. But from a thematic standpoint, this falls, this, this text that we are looking at falls under the reality or, or this, this subsection that is called their salvation. If therefore God is using these events to teach something about how he operates, then we have to pay careful attention and have to take a careful look at what God is doing in this text in light of what he has already revealed about himself to us, to not only find the lessons. It's one thing to get the lessons, but to also make the necessary application points. In other words, as we look at this text, we want to learn some things about what this text is saying and what this text is doing, but then we want to be able to see if there are application points for us. I'm going to get to you really quickly, JP. Oh, no, no you, 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 got, you got to wait, bro. You got to follow the story. <laughs> so as we connect, 
with the idea and vision of giving God glory. I want us to keep that in mind because that's the entire purpose that I'm using this text to highlight really this morning. I know it's an unconventional text. I, I know there are other texts we could have used that could have made this, this theme, giving God glory and giving people hope very clear. But I, wanna, I, I believe with all my heart that God is teaching some things in this text that is going to help us recognize what it means to give God glory while also giving people hope. So there are some things really quickly before I make my way into the text. There are some things I want us to keep in mind and keep in view. Number one, again, as I said before, recognize that our text falls, geographically speaking, in the section that is the journey to Sinai. But number two, also keep in mind that our text falls, thematically speaking, within the section of their salvation. So it's my firm belief that God is revealing something about salvation in the Old Testament work that is Exodus. Salvation, if we have to look at it from an Old Testament Exodus standpoint, salvation therefore, let me give you this definition, salvation therefore is a process, say process. Salvation therefore is a process that takes those who have escaped the bondage of sin into the abiding presence of God. Let me repeat that one more time. If we have to look at the work of Exodus and recognize that within the compilation of Exodus, God is teaching some things about his grace. God is teaching some things about his power. God is revealing some things about his deliverance or his plan of deliverance. Then as we think about where our text falls, Geographically, our text falls within the journey to Sinai. But theomatically speaking, it falls under the category of their salvation. So if we think about what God is trying to reveal and what God is doing, I believe that this text, I believe that this body of work is helping us to, re to realize that salvation is a process of God taking individuals who were lost to, in sin, who were under the slavery or the bondage of sin, all the while bringing those individuals into his abiding. I'm trying to make that clear. Into his abiding presence. So in other words, I believe even from the annals of the Old Testament, God is, is revealing to us that once saved doesn't always necessarily mean saved. But true salvation is a process that takes us from where we are living in lives that are laden to sin into a place where God dwells in eternity. You guys with me now? So when we look at this particular text, I believe that there are some things that I want us to also keep in mind as well. God's presence, notice, was with them and was manifested in various ways. So it's not as if to say God's presence wasn't with them, but in this journey, God wants to bring them to where, from a very physical standpoint at least, his abiding presence is. But while on the journey, you remember when he brought them up out of Egypt? You're going to get some help now, JP. You remember when God brought them up out of Egypt? The scripture would tell us that by day he was there in the form of a pillar of cloud. You remember when it turned dark and when it got cold, it, his presence was indicated by a pillar of fire by night. 
You remember that. So it's not that if to say that on the journey, God's presence wasn't there, but God wanted to get them to a place where his abiding presence was and is. Church, I need for us to see this from a Christian standpoint, that as God takes us on this journey, he wants us to know that I am ever present with you, but I'm bringing you on this journey and I'm giving you my presence because where I really need for you to be is where I dwell in eternity. So while you trod, as we would say back home, while you trod Zion Road, you, you guys would know about that. You had to listen to reggae for that. But as you walk this, this physical road, as you, as you live this very earthly life, I will give you my presence as you walk, but I'm, I'm really purposed to bring you into eternity. So I need for us to recognize, number one, where this text falls, but number two, I want us to remember that God brought them this way through the wilderness because he had understood that had they gone northward and they went through the land of the Philistines, that as soon as they encountered war, their response would be to turn back and go to Egypt. So I need first to appreciate that God recognized that the reason why I brought them south to begin with was because they weren't ready to handle the type of wars and fights they would, they would encounter until I get them into my presence. I give them a law, I give them instructions, and I build them up. So in other words, I want us to appreciate some things about this text that, that we find in this text that they are going to engage in a battle, in a scrimmage, but it's not really the type of scrimmage that was going to force them to turn back, tuck tail and run, and go back to Egypt. So now as we get into our text, I want us to see three things really quickly. Three things really quickly as we engage this text. As we try to develop the idea and the vision of giving God glory and people hope. Number one, I want us to see the operation. Say operation. Number two, I want us to see the observation. Say observation. But number three, I want us to see God's objective in all of this. Say objective. So that's the observation, the, the operation, the observation, and then thirdly, the objective. As we look at the operation, I need for us to see this, and this is where JP is going to come in. Are you tired, by the way? No. Oh, you could go. You could go for a long time. You could go for a long time. All right, all right. Preach, preach. All right, good, good, good. As, you, as we look at the operation, I'm using this from a very military standpoint because the term operation is used to... To, to talk about uh, an activity that is a military activity. So I'm using it from that standpoint. And as we look at this operation, and I need for us to recognize that there is a battle that's ensuing. But as this battle is taking place, it's actually two battles raging simultaneously on two separate fronts. We have Joshua that's down in the valley, so to speak. So Joshua is down there, and he is warring with Amalek and his people. You guys with me? So that's, that's, that's one battlefield that's waging in, in, in the valley, so to speak. I'm, I'm saying in the valley, but, but, but really it's, it's, it's down the slope. And so I, I just want us to, to see it. And so there's, there's one battle that's taking place down there. But then there's a, another battle that's taking place up here. 
And as you think about that, I need for us to begin making these associations because it's one thing to know the details of the text. It's another thing entirely to recognize how this affects our Christian journey. Because I need for us to appreciate that in, at any given point in time, you and I are in a fight, but it's really two battles that's taking place simultaneously at, at, at the same time. So while we are sometimes down in the trenches fighting our Amaleks, there is something taking place on the hill. And sometimes when we find ourselves on the hill with our hands up in the air, I need for us to, un us to understand that there is somebody down in the trenches that's fighting. So when we think about this operation, this operation is twofold in that there is always two wars, there is always two battles that are raging simultaneously alongside each other. But number two, let's notice the observation. As we think about the observation, Aaron and her recognized something was happening. Aaron and her recognized that what's happening up here directly affects what's taking place down there. M maybe I need some more, some, more, some more people to help me with this. You, you, you guys, you, you guys, come, 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 stand up right here. The camera may not catch you, but that's okay. I didn't bring you here to, to be caught on camera. Yeah? You guys fight. 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 So let, let, me, let me do this. You have Joshua and you have Amalek and his, 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 his armies, all right? As long as his hand is in the air, you're supposed to be winning. So put him down on the ground. You know what I mean? Put him down. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. But then... <laughs> Don't, don't let us be too much of a distraction. <laughs> but then the scripture would say, when, when Moses' hand fell, when Moses' hand <laughs> fell, Amalek and his forces started to overrun Joshua and the Israelites. So I need for us to appreciate this. There is an operation that's taken place. There is a war that's raging. They're, they're enjoying this too much. There, there, there's a war that's raging. There's a battle down in the valley while there's activity and a battle that's also taking place on the hill. Here's the observation. The observation is that what transpires on the hill directly affects what's taking place in the valley, not the other way around. What's happening in the spiritual that's what the hill represents. What's happening in the divine realm directly affects what's happening in the physical realm. If you are not in tune with the spiritual, then it's going to be the reverse. Because if you're not in tune with your spiritual self, if you're not in tune with the divine, if you're not in tune with God's word, if you're not in tune, I love what Jaden said this morning, if you are not in tune with faith, then it's going to be in the reverse. What happens in the physical is going to affect the spiritual. So the observation that is being made here is what's happening on the hill is directly affecting what has taken place in the valley. Church, could I say this? I don't know if you could say amen or no, but can I say this? I'm telling you what happens in our spiritual man and woman directly affects what's going on in the physical one. 
<laughs> yeah, get up, get up, get up, get up, get up. So here is the observation. The observation is seen that when Moses' hand is raised high, Joshua and the Israelites would overcome. But as soon as Moses' hands would drop, all of a sudden, the reverse would become true. So not only did Aaron and her make the observation, but in as much as they made the observation, they now made the association because they understood that once Aaron's hand was high, we have a chance at victory. But as soon as Aaron's hand is dropped, the only course of action is defeat. So here is what they do. They decide we're going to help Moses in this activity. Now notice, I need for us to appreciate this. And, and I need two guys. I need two guys. I'm not going to use the same two guys. You, you, you're going you're to mess, mess this thing up. I need two guys. <laughs> People already know you guys as, 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 as Amalek and... and <laughs> <laughs> want to mix people up. I, know, I need for us to appreciate this church. These, this is all in the details, but it's, it's so important and so valuable. Who is the hand that's holding the staff? Moses. Who is the person that has to lift the staff up? Moses. So it's not that they are trying to take Moses' job away from him. Moses' hand is going to remain on the staff, but they are going to offer some support. Watch this. So they find, I tried to find a stool because I didn't want to use these. These are too comfortable. They, they find a rock of some sort. Now, this is still nice compared to what they might have found, you know, up, up on the hill there. All of a sudden, you know, who finds like a flat, I, I don't know. But they find a stool which is an indication, or a stone, which is an indication that all along, poor JP has only been standing up for like, what, 20 minutes now? No telling how long Moses was standing until he began to get tired, but the indication is when they find this stone, it's an indication that Moses' posture was one of this for a very long time. And as he begins to get wary, I need for us to see how this works. When your hands get tired and you're standing for an extended period of time. Not only do you have to worry about your upper body, but you have to start worrying about your lower body and your back as well. So your lower back, your, your lower back starts to feel some pain and some swelling. And then your knees and your thighs and your calves start to hurt as well. So the very first thing they, they endeavored to do wasn't necessarily first to hold his hand, was to get a seat for him. So they endeavored to make him somewhat comfortable. It wasn't going to be totally about comfort, but we needed to get his body in a place that was in a better position to hold up his weight. I'm going to go somewhere with this. I'm almost done. Follow me on this. So the very first thing, now this was, the, the, the scripture doesn't tell us God gave Moses this plan. Moses apparently came up with this plan and God is going to bless it. I, I believe there was some kind of dialogue that would have happened between Moses and God. But I need for us to see, they didn't say, well, Moses, this was your plan. You need to figure it out. Because clearly you didn't think through this plan really well. They, 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 they didn't 
just look by and say, well, mm, you know what? <laughs> Moses, clearly, you know, you're not that well of a tactician or, a, you know, a, a military strategist. So we're going to have to take the L this time, and then we'll come back maybe tomorrow and try to, to get it right with Amalek. It, it wasn't that. They made the observation that as long as Moses' hand was up in the air, we would get victory down there. So how could we help? So they got this rock, and they put it underneath Moses' buttocks. I've, I've long heard the expression that the, the mind could only endure what the buttocks can. That's why we have padded pews, by the way. So when the preacher preaches longer than 20 minutes, there is no complaint because underneath there is well padded. And padded really well, I must say. But notice the first thing that they did. You guys getting this? Are, are you seeing this? I'm almost done. Notice they got him somewhat comfortable. And then, one person on one side supports one hand. Another person on the other side supports another. Ooh. You, you, you need to finish this, Morgan. When we're talking about giving God glory, and at the same time, giving people hope, here is the perfect picture of that. Because what we don't often recognize are these imageries. Do you notice Moses' hand? Where is it? It's up. Hmm. You probably heard me say this before. This is a posture of surrender. Moses has submitted himself to total submission and subjection to God. Who would come up with a strategy like this to win a, a, a battle and a fight taking place down in a valley? But then again, God has always been about the business and him receiving his glory and not us as human beings getting the glory for ourselves. So I need for us to appreciate any victory that you and I have is not because of our strength. I need for us to, to recognize that every blessing that we encounter and every, every single challenge that we overcome is not by our own strength. It's only because of the strength and the power and the grace of Almighty God. So when you think about Moses' hand being lifted up, <laughs> I need for us to see that that's, that's submission. But not only is this submission, you know what other posture this is? Thou, O Lord, art a shield about me. You're my glory. You're the lifter of my
So if you think about this being an image of God doing something, this is an image of submission. While at the same time, it's also an image and posture of praise. So these guys observed that only when Moses was in full submission, only when Moses' praise level was at optimum capacity, was their victory to be had down in the valley. So not only do we find the operation taking place, not only do we recognize the observation, but I want to be done here as we recognize the objective. God's objective was to get them to his abiding presence. In other words, this, this skirmish, this fight, this encounter was not going to deter them from getting where God had intended for them to be. But in as much as Moses had a task, I need for us to see this. Sometimes in the performing of a task, we may, we may, we may not always have the strength to do it on our own. It's not by chance that Aaron was with Moses on the hill. It's not by chance that God designed that Christianity should not be lived in isolation, but that you and I would have brothers and sisters to live out this Christian life together in. You know why? Because every husband and wife will testify to the fact that sometimes when the husband is at a high, the wife might be at a low, and when the wife is at a high, the husband might be alone. All of us could testify to the fact that sometimes when I am on a high, you might be at a low, and when you're at a high, I might be at a low, but we understand that whatever is happening on the hill could affect what's going on, going on in the valley. And so when I see my brother struggling, I don't leave him alone. When I see my sister hurting, I don't leave her by herself. You guys with me? So if there's anything I want us to take away as we come to this appreciation and understanding of what it means to give God glory and give people hope. Giving God glory means submitting to God 100%. While at the same time presenting a posture of full praise and adoration to Almighty God. We'll talk about praise and worship later on in the year because, you know, we, we don't all see eye to eye on what that really looks like and what that really means. But I believe this scripture has a word for us when you think about what it means to praise and worship God. But here's what I want us to see because this is not just about giving God glory. It's also about giving people hope. Do you not realize that, that by living a life that gives glory to God, up here, we give hope to the people who are struggling and fighting down there. The same way that Aaron and her made the observation up here. You don't recognize or do you not think that Joshua and the others made the same observation 
down there. So every time they saw Moses' hands go down, they became despondent. But once Moses' hand was raised, I could almost hear the words of Jesus as he would utter the words, if I be lifted up. Once we continue to give God glory and we continue to give God praise on our hills, I know it's a struggle. I know it's a fight. I know left up to our own devices, we might determine to give up, but we understand that there is no really, there is no really no giving up here because God, this is just a stop on the way. This is, this is but a small station in my journey to get to God's abiding presence. Anybody here going through some struggle right now? Anybody here have some frustration that they are going through right now? Any, anybody here have some turmoil that they are going through right now? Anybody here going through an Amalek type moment down in the valley? That's just but one station. That's just but one stop. God's objective is not so that you die in the valley. God's objective is to get you and I into his everlasting abiding presence. So he'll empower you. He'll strengthen you. He'll guide you. He'll put the right tools and the right people in your life to help you along the way. Would you reject that help? Or would you, like Moses, accept it? Moses understood he couldn't do it by himself. But it was my task to keep my hand on the rod. Oh, with a little help. I could hear the psalmist say, grace and mercy follows me all the days of my life. Oh, for a little help. As a husband, I have my wife on one hand and my kids on the next. Oh, for a little help. It's tough sometimes, but I have my JPs and I have my fellow brethren in my life to help me along the way, oh, for a little help, I have a Savior in heaven and a God over there as well. I have the Holy Spirit that indwells me, oh, for a little help. I know it's my task, but sometimes I need a little help along this journey. Church, I'm done. Would you stand with me? Would you stand with me? So as I conclude, I need for us to end this. JP is going to be sore tomorrow. The only way we could really appreciate what it means to give God glory, while at the same time giving people hope, is by understanding the importance and value of lifting up each other while lifting up Christ. I hope you didn't miss that. The only way we could really fully appreciate what it means to give God glory while giving people hope, don't miss it. This is your amen moment. I'm, I'm letting you know beforehand, this is a good place to say amen. amen. The only way to truly appreciate that is when we fully understand the value of lifting up each other while we lift up Christ. Amen. Let's sing our song of invitation. If there's anyone that needs prayers, please come forward as together we sing this song.